0: Hey listeners, today's episode deals with topics of sexual assault. We wanted to notify our listeners who may experience trauma related to these topics ahead of the episode and to let you know that resources are listed in the description. Thanks for listening. In this true crime, law and order podcast, the episodes are presented by two separate yet equally ridiculous individuals: one who researches the actual crime and the other who recaps the episode. These are their stories. Howdy who? So no I have uh, Did you just say <laughs> "Heidi Who? I said, "Howdy who? Might be even worse. Oh, it sounded like, it sounded like Heidi who, but I mean,
1: welcome to the stage. Howdy-hoo. Howdy-hoo. Howdy who <laughs> Howdy?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness what's new a whole a whole lot of nothing
0: um yeah <laughs> we've been re-watching a lot of old dateline episodes lately Ooh, wow yeah so when i tell you to watch bojack horseman and she-ra and 30 rock <laughs> <laughs> well this is the thing it's it
1: there's categories of shows that we watch and so when we finish uh legend of korra then we'll move on to another animated show
0: Okay. And okay.
1: Yeah, so this is like the kind of stuff you can watch in the background while you're doing other stuff. Got Dateline it. episodes Could- that we've probably seen or seen something about. Oh, you know what else we've... <laughs> Speaking of true crime and law and order, we've been watching um, <laughs> a lot of the People's Court and Judge Judy and like random judge TV shows while we're like eating dinner and doing things. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we found a bunch of like uh streams on YouTube of like all these like recent <laughs> court tv show cases it's very very compelling very light and easy I, to watch let me tell you <laughs> i never think to watch youtube on my television but i guess i can yeah we do it a lot when we when we don't want to watch something that we have to focus on because it's just like by default if it's on youtube we probably won't have to yeah because it's like shorter and kind of whatever exactly and free and uh what about you what's uh what's kind of going on in your world
0: a lot i feel we oh we have a new puppy Heee. and we picked her up yesterday and she's so cute and all she wants to do is cuddle and be asleep uh, and i think it's just because she's so young like i was reading that puppies her age sleep 18 to 20 hours a day yeah that's how <laughs> it was with neville too. a dream <laughs> 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 we were worried at first we're like is this normal <laughs> Honestly, and she, um, she pants a lot when she sleeps, and Aww. so I was like, on the car ride home, she, now I know, she slept the car, whole car ride home, because uh, it was about 40 minutes away, uh-huh. and I, I was like, well, either she's having the world's biggest panic attack, because she was like, <laughs> but she was <laughs> asleep the whole time, and I guess puppies panting when they sleep is normal, so. So cute. She, she's very cute, she's very sweet. Ziggy, our middle child now, mm-hmm. is just desperately trying to get Chess, the new baby, to sleep with her, but she or <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> she is desperately trying to get Chess to play with her. And Ch- and so she's like pouncing at her and like doing a lot of the like uh, you know, butt-in-the-air race car pose oh, for I that I dogs love that. do when they want to play. And chess is just like, what? is going on. Like she does not understand what's happening. <laughs> is she like scared making... at all by Ziggy and Shawnee? Or is she kind of like she doesn't seem scared by by Ziggy. And and I think part of that is like Ziggy also has just been like very curious about her and like sniffing her and giving her kisses and stuff like that. And so she's being very gentle as well as very playful. And she's only done a couple things where like she like pawed at her head and it made the baby yelp because she was like ow
1: oh my gosh
0: <laughs> shawnee on the other hand our our eldest our 12 year old she wants absolutely nothing to do with the baby and as expected uh, has right? snarled. yeah oh yeah she's such a crank but she did so well with ziggy after the first few days so i'm curious to see if she does really well with the new baby as well oh that's so oh god i love these i love dogs so much I do, too, and I'm just so anxious about, like, loss of sleep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, like, I don't oh even know. Yeah, we got very lucky when we got Neville.
1: He is a, like, he very rarely wakes up in the middle of the night or super early in the morning for potty. We we're I don't know how we got it this lucky, but, yeah, everyone warned us, like, oh, get ready. Get ready. It's going to be good yeah. practice for if you have a kid. That, well, let me tell you, if kids sleep like Neville does, uh, give me 100. <laughs>
0: A <laughs> hundred. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, She ne- She got... Miles took her out at about two o'clock in the morning and then put her back in her crate. <laughs> and then she woke up at seven. So it wasn't... dream. I say it wasn't bad. I was the one who slept through the whole thing because we're alternating nights. So yeah. tonight is my night. So we'll uh, see. Maybe tomorrow I'll just be crying. I can't wait to see what the dynamic is when we bring Neville over again
1: <sighs> and see how, like... The little one reacts to neville how shawnee and ziggy react to neville now that there's a little baby around is uh (laughs) ziggy gonna be
0: protective of chess i'm just very curious to see how it all goes i think i think ziggy and neville will have their usual dynamic and i think shawnee will watch disdainfully and chess will watch in like Possibly a little bit of shock and horror because I think like the the growling and the running around and all of that will probably be like whoa. To yeah, her. it'll be very much like she's watching like uh,
1: <laughs> Animal Godzilla, Planet, Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla Clash yes. of the Titans. Yes. <laughs>
0: uh, I uh. just added Clash of the Titans to my Netflix queue because that was one of my favorite oh, movies when I was a kid with Harry Hamlin. But yeah. I don't know if it's any good anymore. I I, well, I don't know if it was good then. But I know. I imagine the graphics are absolutely terrible Oh, I'm now, sure terrible.
1: I loved that, too. I also loved Jason and the Argonauts back in the day, too. Those were, like, the two... Oh, like, I never saw that. It's a similar, you know, situation. If you end up liking Clash
0: of the Titans and it held up well, you know, you want something like Go that. Go watch Jason yeah. and the Argonauts. <laughs> yeah. Jason and the Argonauts sounds like a weird science fiction type thing to me. It but almost, I guess I'm thinking astronaut.
1: Well, it also sounds a little bit like it could be a new, um, like teen genre yes. harry potter and the sorcerer's stone lightning bear or whatever the other one percy jackson or whatever it was
0: yeah yeah i tried reading the percy jackson they're terrible yeah i never tried Maybe i'll edit that out <laughs> i know we lose half the i'm part. allowed to have an opinion
1: right you are you are you thought they were terrible and you don't really the thing i that's a, a pet peeve of mine real quick i hate when people say Oh, that's just your opinion when you say something. We talked about this in the other podcast, but... We did, uh, yes. Yeah, like... Yes, that is my opinion. That's correcting, why I said it. Exactly. Correcting you to say, like, oh, well, you could just say it's your opinion is almost something I did. And I was like, wait a second. That's the dumbest thing I almost ever said. <laughs> uh. I hate that. That's just your opinion.
0: <gasps> Correct. Well. Well. Welcome to Ripped from the Headlines. That's just your opinion. <laughs> we are... <laughs> we are... A podcast about puppies and uh, old movies. Yeah, old
1: movies that don't hold up well, uh, bad graphics, puppy behaviors, I, puppy planning. I
0: mean, if we're talking if we're talking about misbehavior and things that don't age well, we're kind of on track with Law & Order. Hey, that was a really good... Yes, here we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect oh segue. God. Okay.
0: Are you ready to talk about this <gasps> new episode? Oh my gosh. I'm very curious to get your take on it so yes i am okay and off the air matt told me that this is a case that i should recognize which i don't from the episode but i'm sure once you start i'll probably piece it together yeah. like it's a name i would know for sure 100 percent, you'll know instantly the the story
1: for sure I think you actually brought it up on a previous episode to me in referencing like a TV show or a movie to watch. And I'm just curious to see how annoyed you're going to be when you find out what it is and how they portrayed it
0: versus how it was. Got it. Yes, because I have a lot of notes in all capitals for this episode. Well, get ready. Get ready. I will say, (sighs) I'll wait. I'll wait. Yes. Get ready. Okay, great. 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 So this is episode 14 and it is called The Violence of Summer, which I ch- I feel like I need to start googling the episode titles because I think they always think they're doing something with the title but I don't know what.
1: Yeah, this one I was like The Violence of Summer. The Violence of Summer. Uh all I could think of was like Cruel Summer. <laughs> the Song I love.
0: <laughs> Cruel Summer oh, wait, is one of those that- songs of summer. What? Is a song by uh, Duran Duran. Wow. Okay.
1: So we were in, I was in the right genre. Yeah. I was just thinking of a song that is, well, I guess it's, it's Duran Duran. I'm sure it's not a serious, (laughs) I was going to say, I'm thinking of a much more fun song. I imagine a Duran Duran song. What is their biggest
0: hit? Hungry Like the Wolf? Probably. Is that it? Okay. That's what I would imagine was their biggest hit which you said on a previous episode i think of this podcast not our other one mm-hmm. that hungry like the wolf is almost as good as take on me by aha i did, did say you, that i did say that yes do you want to do you want to take that back roll no. that back no i don't i don't want to say that you stand by that i do
1: i think take on me is if you take the video aspect out of it actually no i like the hungry like the wolf video also <laughs> so yeah oh i'm going to st- i stand by it Wow. Cruel, cruel well, summer will I'm not disgusted. make that trifecta. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: By <laughs> the Bengals, that's great. the Bengals, right? I don't think so. I think cruel summer is probably Banana Rama. No, it's not the Bengals. I think it's, it's the Bengals. Def- it's definitely not the Bengals, but I think it's
0: Banana Oh, it is Banana Rama. You're right. Yes, hot summer streets and the pavements are burned. I'm singing. <laughs> I don't know the. I don't know the verse melody. So <laughs> anyway, what are we doing? Okay, the violence of summer. <laughs> An episode titled after a Duran Duran song, I don't know which came first, and I don't frankly care. But this episode, they decided to give us a little plot twist, and we're starting with the order side and not the policing law side. Very... I was excited by that at first. I was a little bit too, and... I'm now I'm my my odds of winning this bet of five out of the next 15 episodes starting with beat cops are is decreasing
1: yeah you there was no dog either no dog no dog. now wait
0: dog the bounty hunter are you was keeping, in this episode I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> are you keeping track of how many episodes I have I feel like maybe we should put that on the show notes note of, thing that we use of how many episodes have fulfilled your prophecy <laughs>
1: I have the episode marked. <laughs> my prophecy, <laughs> yes, ends prophecy. <laughs> the new fantasy series coming <laughs> to Amazon. Oh my god! Um, we I marked the episode where you me- where you mentioned it. I'll look back at it and I'll I'll put it in our shared note. And I also marked yeah each episode of my notes. I I put I copy and paste that line so I remember to look for okay. it in the episode. <laughs> so yeah, I'll put okay, it in perfect, our,
0: our shared great. note so you can see how it's coming okay, to fruition. Perfect. That's great. Okay, so this episode starts with Robinette talking to some woman in a courthouse, and my note says that their conversation is almost entirely incomprehensible, and (laughs) I, like, watched their conversation, and then my note to myself says, dear God, please don't make me have to go back to the beginning of this episode to try to make sense of this conversation, because there are moments like that in Law and Order where they're doing their, like, 90s cop legal slang things that... Honestly, at times I feel like I need Google Translate to tell me what's happening. Yes, I think they were purposely like that. <laughs> and and there are times where I'm like, I'm just going to skip over this and if I have to go back to it and figure it out, I'll figure it out. I also went back when I heard the beginning and I okay, listened,
1: like I watched it over again and I still don't I am with you 100%. I still don't know what they were talking about. I'm going to pretend it didn't matter.
0: <laughs> I don't think it does. Yeah. I think it was kind of a little stage setting, but it it we'll get there. Mm. Okay. Oh, my God. I think I know exactly what case this might be. Mm. Maybe. Can I guess? Will you tell me? Do you want me to tell you? No, I want to be, okay, I want to be surprised. So You can guess if you want, but I will not tell you. There are some key details that changed if it's the case I'm thinking of, and you don't have to acknowledge this, but the closest thing that comes to mind as, like, a really obvious case is the... Okay. If that's the case, they really, really, really changed the story. But here's what you need to know. In this episode, the cast of characters includes three boys. Who they are, their names do not matter.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we have boy number one, who I'm going to... I'm just introducing you to to visual pictures so that it'll make sense because I'm not going to use their names. I'm literally going to call them boys one, two, and three through the whole description. Okay. So, boy number one is like blonde hair, Johnny Appleseed, you know, Dirk every man. He could be anybody. It does not matter. Then we have boy number two, who I'm pretty sure looks identical to Scott Bayo because Scott Bayo oh. was Charles in charge, right? Yeah. He does look like I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay, great. So, boy number two, you can picture Scott Bayo. Boy number three is if. If Ron Weasley was animated by Matt Groening from The Simpsons mm-hmm. and then turned into real life, <laughs> that's boy number three.
1: Are you okay? Did you recognize one of them as
0: a super famous actor?
1: Oh shit, no. Okay, one of them is a super super famous actor, and it's either the third description or the first one.
0: Oh boy, here we go. Let me find out.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're they don't they're they've passed on unfortunately, but they are oh, very very long on. Yeah, you you know them. Okay. You probably know them. They're super famous. Philip Seymour Hoffman was in this episode? Yes, he's one of those three three boys, and it says it's his first credited role ever. Oh, my God. He's the Ron Weasley kid. Yes. I, I thought you were describing him at first, but when you said Ron Weasley, I was like, oh, that's got to be the one that's Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: Wow. Okay. I did not recognize him. So it being his first, like, on credit thing makes sense. Yeah, that's what I read, at least, because I was like, wait a second. Wait Also, second. I would not... Based on his acting skills in this episode, I would not have hired him for anything else.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, law okay. and order. All right. So here's the other thing you need to know. So we've got boy one, two, and three. Boy number one is kind of an island unto himself. Boys two and three are like with each other against boy number one. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the other just context setting I'll give you. So we open in this courtroom scene and boy number one sits down he i think we're meant to understand he's the defendant in whatever this proceeding is and he like looks over his shoulder at this woman who looks like she's in her 80s she looks like magda from sex in the city which i just realized you do not watch so <laughs> bad reference um but i don't know what their their like nonverbal exchange is supposed to be but he it almost looks he's like he's making, like, wanna-fuck eyes at her. And later oh. on, I think we find out he's her mother, so it's v- v- especially weird. <laughs> <laughs> boys two and three walk in, and they're doing their best, like, middle school intimidation faces at boy number <laughs> one. And we learn that there's some motion to sever the joint convictions uh, or, or cases of these three boys because they're part of a, a gang rape case.
1: Yeah, and you know what? When you find out like that, the case is a gang rape case, and you think about the boys acting—they, they're acting as though they're like on say by the bell, the new class. <laughs> it's like this, like total light scene. They're kind of like not taking it seriously. Any of the defendants, no. they're like joking around, like this is no big deal. I was like, this is this is a a rape case, like a assault yeah. case. I thought this was gonna be like a misdemeanor, drug charge, or something.
0: Or they were, like, caught smoking in the quad at their high school or something. It was, yeah, it just, did not, the tone was off. Yeah, totally. And by the way, all three of these boys are wearing suits that are about eight sizes too large. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's meant to, like, have us see, like, how young they are or something. They look like Vincent Adult Man from BoJack Horseman. <laughs>
1: (laughs) I'm glad that they that you noticed that because I think that is like something that filmmakers and TV show people still TV show people uh, (laughs) creators of content still do like it's the easiest way to show this is the first time a young person is in court and you could tell because they're in an ill fitting suit because yes, I remember the first time I ever had to do anything important as like a grown up. Any pictures Mm -hmm. of me in any situation like that, I'm in that exact same suit they're wearing.
0: (laughs) Where, like, the sleeves go down to your ankles,
1: basically. Yeah, and the shoulders go out so far, you look
0: like uh, you're an an extra in the Golden Girls. (laughs) (laughs) So boys two and three are kind of, like, heckling boy number one. They're like, we know what you did. Don't be stupid. Don't get dead. So they're kind of, like, threatening him, and the judge is like, order, order, gavel, gavel. (laughs) And by the way, all three of these boys... The way that they're acting, it's like they went to the Justice Brett Kavanaugh (laughs) Manners school. Mm -hmm. Like they just immediately ratcheted up to like level 11 of screaming and getting red in the face. And then there's like kind of a hubbub and the two boys start to get up and are doing this like, come on, man, come on, let's fight thing that men do. And in this moment, one of them snags the pistol out of a bailiff's holster I'm really proud of myself for just remembering the word holster because I did not write that down. Well done. And he starts just literally like waving it around. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Number one, I don't think Law and Order has hired a kind of like a, I don't want to say choreographer, but a choreographer because there's like this moment where he's literally like waving the gun around like he's fucking twirling a lasso. (laughs) And then there's this (laughs) moment where they like disarm him, but it's like fight, it's like fight choreography where it's like, grab his wrist push his shoulder, like bend at the elbow, grab the gun out of his hand, but it, it, they couldn't do it in like a smooth sequence. So it's like they edited those clips together to where it looks like almost like a comic book where it's like, or like a diagram of how to disarm someone. It's like touch the wrist, push the shoulder. Like it was just so poorly edited together and so wooden and unbelievable.
1: It's like that chart you see in every restaurant or school, like how to do the Heimlich maneuver and like those panels. That's exactly it. And yes. they just Ex- put those panels together and put it in like a GIF app and made an animation out
0: of it. That's correct, yes. So, then we get the title sequence. Um, I go and polish all of my grandmother's silver, and when I come back, it, we're in the DA's office. And when you come back, the value of them has gone up. <laughs> By. Exponentially, because it's been 10,000 10, years, and silver is extremely valuable at this point. <sighs> okay, so the lawyer of boy number one is talking to Robinette about, I guess, the separation of the cases between these three boys. And again, they do like their legal 90s talk and Stone says, he wants the truth, we'll take a run at him. And that's the end of the scene. And I, again, need Google Translate to tell me what the fuck this scene even meant because none of Stone's like zingers told me anything about the rest of the episode. The dialogue might as well have been brief
1: case. Trial, law, <laughs> defendants. <laughs> gabble, gabble. <laughs>
0: <sighs> okay. So now we're in a scene where Stone is with boy number one and they're watching footage of boy number two's testimony where he's being interrogated about his involvement in the sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And the story that he's telling is that he and boy number three kind of set up boy number one to rape somebody. But they're like, but we didn't think he'd go through with it. And boy number one is like, that's not true. This isn't, you know, he's lying. And Robinette says that boy three's tape is even worse. And um, he says that boy number one begged them to help him rape somebody. Boy number one shouts lies and (laughs) still Harry Potter. You liar! (laughs) Stone explains that he will be tried as an adult for rape, and any jury who sees the tapes of boy number two and three will send him away for a lot more time than they send away boys two and three. And out in the hallway, boy number one's lawyer says to Stone that he knows her client didn't run point on this. Again, who talks like that? Mm Mm-hmm. And she says that the woman had bruises on her hands or her wrists and her ankles. And so she's like, How many hands do you think my client has? So basically, he couldn't have done this alone. And we learned that DNA samples, um, DNA on semen samples, are due in that afternoon. So they are all kind of like, All right, let's talk later once we have more information. Then we cut to DA Schiff's office, and he is sitting on a couch that I want so badly. It is, it's like a rollback leather couch in like dark brown leather and it's tufted it's so beautiful and i want it desperately that just sounds
1: like the grown-up couch like i'm a professional (laughs) i'm a homeowner like when you're little you look at that kind of couch and you're like oh i can't sit on that no. That's her show. That's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of couch that exists either in lawyers' offices, therapists' offices that are really yes. rich from the eighties and nineties, or in a room in your like great aunt's house that you only look at.
0: Oh, in the library at, like, your grandparents' house <laughs> yes. or something. So we learn that the assault survivor is a woman who apparently doesn't remember very much of the assault. But we do learn that she's also a reporter. And we kind of get the sense that Stone doesn't like the type of journalism she does, that she publishes garbage. And he refers to her work as, all sizzle, no steak. <laughs> Coming to Sizzler this week for All Sizzler, No Steak, extravaganza. (laughs) All you can eat shrimp, $5.99. Lots of shrimp, no steak. (laughs) So, da 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 da. Okay, so Stone says he doesn't like her, and he thinks a jury won't either. And my note to myself, in all capitals, is that shouldn't matter if the person is unlikable or not, if they've been assaulted. Yeah,
1: and I honestly was very confused. I'm glad you explained that, because I until you just said that was very confused about like what was stone's problem with her i really didn't get yeah it. so i yeah yeah glad it's, it's, it's like
0: <laughs> listened harder i think he basically is like her journalism is kind of national national inquirer i guess is so that... i guess that's the yeah. the vibe yeah she's basically the reporter from harry potter <laughs> <laughs> what's her name mrs Swizzlestick. um
1: <laughs> wait is it really
0: No, no. It's like uh, Rita Skeeter, Rita Skeeter. I wasn't that far off with Mrs. Swizzlestick. So while they're having this conversation, the report comes in that the semen sample matches none of the boys. And so Stone thinks the case is dead in the water. And Schiff and Robinette basically say, well, there must be another assailant. Maybe the boys are hiding something. Go find out what you can find out. So Robinette goes off to check and see if she has a boyfriend. Uh, Logan and Grievy are out in the hallway, and they're, like, high on life and, like, are playfully jabbing with Robinette about the gun incident in the courtroom. And they're like, oh, you, like, disarmed him. Good job, Robinette. <laughs> and Robinette asks them about this case, because I guess Logan and Grievy were the ones who worked on the case. So Robinette wants to know how confident Monica, who is the survivor— was during the lineup like how confident did she seem in being able to identify boy number one and they say that she was very unclear very unsure and and then robinette says okay well how convincing was the lineup like was it really evident who the suspect should be and Greevy says that the kid boy number one stuck out like a sore thumb he was like shaking and super scared so the the uh, eyewitness, like lineups, evidence is also kind of suspect, and uh, may and could people could poke holes in it, essentially. And so Robinette goes back to talk to Stone, and Stone happens to be holding a newspaper that talks about the case, and nobody is naming Monica's name, but apparently she's such a public figure that um, and evidently pretty disliked by the other members of the press that they're essentially all but naming her in articles about the the rape and essentially and one of the articles says that she was there to buy drugs because i guess she has a previous conviction for drug use or people knew that she used to use drugs occasionally so they're concerned that this is just going to further undermine her testimony and then we cut to a scene with monica the survivor who is wearing the chunkiest Heather green sweater I've ever seen in my life. And all I could think about was, you know, those knit blankets where the yarn is like the, like the circumference of your arm, you know, those blankets where the, where the, what is the circumference of your arm? The yarn, like the the fibers of the blanket are like arm width, (laughs) like they're huge, huge fibers. That's what (laughs) her sweater reminds me of. very serious for a second.
1: I was like, wait,
0: what? (laughs) Have you never, wait, but you've seen those blankets, right? I
1: have one of those blankets. You do not have one of those blankets. Yes, well, not in my possession right now. We grew up with one of those blankets on the back of our couch. Are you talking about the, I, the blankets that have, like, the 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 fibers of them are, they're yarn, but they look a little bit thicker, and they have, like, the flowers
0: traditionally, like, they almost oh, look like patchwork. Like on Roseanne? No, 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 I'm not, no, definitely not. So I'm definitely not talking about it, they seem a little thicker. I mean, I, the literal yarn is the, like, circumference of your wrist. Like, it's that I don't remember this. Okay, I'll send you a picture right now. They're called arm knit blankets because they're, the yarn is so large, people actually use their arms as the knitting needles. I totally did not think... I thought you were making a... I didn't think this was a real thing. Oh, no. I mean, I, I am making a joke about her sweater being no, that but chunky. I, I don't think I've ever seen something like this. Oh, my God. I want one so badly. Wow. Aren't they cool? Where do you see these? I feel like I've seen them everywhere on the internet for the last like five years, but I don't know. I I think they're kind of like the thing you get on Etsy or something like you have to have them made. I think I've never seen them sold somewhere. I have never seen something
1: like this in my life. I'm looking at the website you sent me and if you scroll down, it has like, like step by step of someone kind of making it. Yeah. And I can't believe that they're actually that big. Isn't it fun? Because the picture at the top, from looking at that, it looks like a blanket I have, kind of like a tile yes. blanket I have, and that's what I thought you were talking about. I thought you were just exaggerating it <laughs> for like comic effect, but it really, they really are that big.
0: Yeah, holy shit! <laughs> so that's why when you were like, "I have one of those," I was like, "No, you don't," oh, because these are I expensive. think that I think they're super expensive well, too. Like, I think they're like several hundred dollars. Yeah, for a this blanket. one in the picture is it's two hundred seventy-five dollars.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a lot. And the scissors that they used to make them were $20, the
0: scissors to cut the yarn. Hey, I just found a website where it's $57. Ooh. That's not bad. Well, you I'll know. I'll send you that link. Holidays in are right around the corner. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. This I'm is sorry yarn for and derailing us. The <laughs> new this podcast. Is Welcome to Yarn Talk. <laughs> where we're weaving a... <laughs> oh, God. What is wrong with us? Okay. Item number two, her hairstylist was an elf from Lord of the Rings because they did like the most like she literally looks like Liv Tyler in Lord of the Rings. Like they've like done like they could have woven flowers into her hair. It's like so intricately and like the curls are falling perfectly. It's ridiculous. Their conversation is also very strange and they're arguing because I guess they know each other. He hates her journalism. She doesn't like him. And... He says, she's. their conversation is very strange. He says things like, it's not about abstract application of the law, which, what does that even mean? It's a lot of words in a row, and two of them have the same first letter, so it sounded really good. Here's the thing. I think a decent amount of the writing on Law & Order is them taking a bunch of words that have to do with the law, shaking them up in a cup like Yahtzee, Mm -hmm. and then throwing them on the table to see what words they get. (laughs) They're literally playing boggle. (laughs) <laughs> yes so stone basic stone at this point i hate stone so much in this episode i know stone basically then like goes through a list of all of the excuses people use to blame survivors of sexual assault like why were they there why were they dressed like that none of these are excuses that justify sexual assault so i will say
1: though i did feel as though Regardless of whether that matters or not, since it is the kind of thing that people are going to ask, I do think it's important for the person going in the stand to be prepared for that. But I don't, uh, in in defense of what I think you're saying, I don't think it was presented in a way that was like, oh, we're
0: just trying to prepare you for the worst case scenario. Of course, you know, this doesn't matter at all. This was another case where they like they're like it doesn't matter what who she is or what happened to her like it, the law is the law and we have to uphold it but then they treated her like a dick the whole episode mm-hmm. like it's just one of those things like this is a survivor of trauma and they are treating her like a like a suspect. Okay, so Stone does not say like none of these should matter like all of those are terrible excuses but he does say like a jury will wonder these things Mm -hmm. so again like i i think that they're trying to make stone into this person who is presenting everything logically to her of like things that they could expect in the case but it's just really clumsy very So Stone breaks it to her that without her testimony, they're going to be unable to prosecute. And she's pissed because they had told her before that they would be able to do it without her testimony. And this is the moment when Robinette decides, as she's, like, furious, that he picks the worst moment to be like, do you have a boyfriend, by the way? Uh, Because the semen sample doesn't match. And so, and she's like, what the fuck does that matter? And um, And then Robinette is like,
1: uh... I'm embarrassed by this, but I, I, I just kind of want to take you out for dinner and I didn't know how else <laughs> to ask. So oh, honestly, sorry, sorry about that.
0: But like, yeah, so no boyfriend? No, no single <laughs> hungry. Okay. And again, because the writers were like doing bong rips and typing with their feet, Stone and Monica have this like nonsense poetry exchange <laughs> where he says no one in the room has the ability to redesign the entire railroad. And she says, so I should just lash myself to the front of the train? Like, nobody talks like this. What are they doing? They're doing the dialogue
1: that they suppose happened in, like, an old-fashioned talkie where some villain (gasps) in a, like, long, pointy mustache tied someone to the front of their train tracks. Trail tracks. (laughs) Yes.
0: Rain tracks. (laughs) Okay. And again, I hate Stone um, in these moments, mm. because then he does something even more abhorrent, which he tells her that if she doesn't testify, she's sending a dangerous message to women that the chances for justice are so slim that they may as well not report their assaults, which is not a fair thing to put on somebody who has just survived a sexual assault. It's so not a fair thing put that on people. to put on anybody. Like, uh, yes, that's yeah. that's disgusting. It was super gross. So they say a few more things to try to persuade her and essentially bully her into testifying. And that's the end of that scene. And then we get a new scene with Stone and Robinette. And Robinette has gathered all the newspapers about the case and, again, says, you know, they're not naming Monica by name, but it's clear who everyone is talking about. And um, they're mainly concerned that this is all damaging her credibility as a witness. Not really concerned about the fact that it's, you know, attacking her as a person, but hey. And Stone asks Robinette to do some more digging and find out more about this supposed like drug connection, because was she there to buy drugs or was she not? And so uh, I'm going to call him Rob at this point. So Rob goes to the uh goes to some area of the city and is like buying sandwiches from a street cart with somebody. Um, some reporter type, I guess, but we don't ever really learn his name or his connection to Monica. But essentially, he's there to serve as a plot device to tell us that everybody in the press knows it was Monica. Everybody in the press hates Monica. Everybody in the press believes it all to be true that she was there to buy drugs because she has a uh, history of drug use and people still think she uses drugs periodically. So he's like, you know, hey, this is definitely the truth that everybody is publishing right now. Mm -hmm. And Robinette is like, well, but her producer said that she was there for a story. And the reporter guy is like, well, of course they would say that. Like, she's a commodity to them, so they want to protect her. And then... (laughs) That actor says, listen to me, and he sticks his entire finger inside of his ear. Like, did you see? It wasn't, like, gesturing at his ear. His finger went inside of his ear canal. It came out the other ear. Practically. And is telling Robinette, like, believe me, everything that we're saying is true. Then we cut back to Stone preparing Monica for trial, but in the most asshole way imaginable. And their dialogue reminds me of, like, in an English class when students are assigned to read parts out loud of, like, The Crucible or The Scarlet Letter. <laughs> the Crucible! And, <laughs> because they're, they're doing these, like, she's like, but I'm in it! Like, it's just very dramatic and, and poorly, poorly acted. <laughs> Um, by the way just a little PSA if you're ever someone who's talking to someone about their experience of surviving sexual sexual assault and especially if you're a man please don't have a conversation two and a half inches from their face at the top of your lungs like Stone does this entire scene hello don't do that with anybody (laughs) yeah please like don't be a close talker especially in the time of the pandemic (laughs) yeah don't be gross wear your mask and cut the hell out of my face (laughs) If I could touch your face with my finger, you're too close to me. Amen. (laughs) So Stone then curveballs her and asks her if she would submit to a drug test. And... And she gets kind of outraged and then he sits like he has this moment where he's so proud of himself and he like crosses his arms and like leans over cat like very proud of himself Mm. and is like and that's when I'd say objection Mm. and like goes on to like condescendingly walk her through what would happen in the case next and and he presses her to know if she's still using drugs. She says I was not high. And Stone says, well, that's a start. Were you there to buy drugs? And essentially, she said, or she just says at that point, I was raped. What difference does it make if I was there to buy drugs? And Stone says, it doesn't. I don't care if you were down there to buy a nuclear bomb. You are not on trial. And my note to myself in all capitals is like, well, fuck! Stopping, stop fucking acting like it then. Like, stop being an aggressive, condescending piece of shit, Stone. Right, he's... He's not been portrayed this way in any
1: other episode. As a matter of fact, like he's been portrayed as the person who is the most reasonable uh, and capable of keeping his personal opinions out of a case. Like that's like
0: that was like a whole plot point of one episode was him being that way. Yes. So she says she went there and asked them if they had any coke for sale, but that it was for a story. So we cut to a new scene with Robinette and Stone, and Robinette says that it's too bad that she initiated contact. Because the defense will then say it could have been interpreted as a come on, which again, not an excuse to rape someone. Mm. And then my notes, <laughs> I went on a little bit of a tirade uh, writing my notes <laughs> on this. But So they're going over her deposition, and it's kind of confusing because in her deposition she stated that she remembers scratching somebody, um, like on the face or something, I think. And But Stone says there was no DNA from the nail scrapings that they took. So Stone at this point theorizes that because her memory of the event or incident was funny, she's filling in the blanks with what news sources are postulating about the attack. And so then uh, Robinette goes and talks to the psychiatrist who did her evaluation, and it looks like Rick Moranis from Honey, I Shrunk Mm. the Kids. He does. But he stole Sally Jesse Raphael's (laughs) glasses for this role. And Robinette <laughs> is asking her about her memories and whether she'll recover them and give some – and, and the, Rick Moranis <laughs> gives some convoluted mem- 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 metaphor, <laughs> metaphor about memory and trauma and essentially says it's not going to come all back. So then we uh, cut back to Schiff's office, D.A. Schiff, under the bridge, (laughs) and they're talking about how the case is falling apart because her memory is not great. She didn't do well in the prep for court where Stone was an asshole to her. And so they're going to reopen the case and wait until they can collect more evidence to bring this to trial. So they go to break the news to Monica. She's, of course, upset that they're – because she thinks they're just going to drop the case, let it go cold, and she'll never get justice – And then Stone basically blames her and keeps yelling at her about she's filled in her memory with the stuff that she's read in the press, and that's undermining the case. And so we go back to the uh, court scene, which is the motion to dismiss the case, and Robinette states that it's the state's intention to reopen it when they get more evidence. The judge approves the dismissal, and the defendants are free to go. Boy 2 and 3... Uh, do a high five boy number one hugs his mom who he made the sexy eyeballs out in scene number one <laughs> then they get a hotel and <laughs> gross <laughs> and then my note literally says at this point i was watching and i felt like i was like okay this is probably the end of the episode so i paused it to be like how much time is left and i was halfway done <laughs> um i know i did the same thing <laughs> okay so i'm gonna speed it up my note to self literally says speed it up because i felt like i was <laughs> typing way too much so they want uh, Grievy and Logan to find out what the boys are hiding, um, because remember, they were, like, threatening each other, whatever, whatever, it has something to do with the case. And Grievy and Logan go to the scene of the attack to walk through the report of the incident and see if they missed anything. Through this, they kind of discovered there were a couple of apartments that they had missed during the canvas of the neighborhood, and Grievy says, let's head up there and interview them. They interview one woman through the chain on her door, another woman holding a baby who says that she was in labor at the time, so she didn't hear anything. She says, though, that uh, she heard there were more than three boys and says that the guy in apartment C knows all about it uh, because he heard it all. He heard there were six or seven guys, so they go and talk to him. And he says that he heard most of the assault but wasn't sure what was going on, so he didn't call the police. And he says he lied to the police when they initially canvassed the apartments because he was going through, quote, something with a friend and he didn't want him to know where he was. And defends himself uh, against not having called the police by saying, do you know how much bashing goes on in this neighborhood? And it was at that moment where I was like, oh, they're, they're like queer coding this character as like... You know, okay. In Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. there's the actor with the funny, with not the funny voice, but the very distinct voice, yes. um, who's like the hairdresser brother, mm-hmm. matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match yeah. scene. I don't, I don't
1: remember the actor's name or the character's name, but I, I see him very vividly in my head. Okay, that's kind of who they're trying to make this character into, I think. Yes, a little bit. they're doing the very typical birdcage type <laughs> gay. Yes, you know. Yes. Yeah yes the only type of gay that you really saw at this time unless it was the total opposite talking a mile a minute has to be the center of attention are you talking about james (laughs) starles i was thinking more of like jack's character on will and grace but oh
0: yeah 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 okay and i'm thinking of harvey firestein that's who (laughs) that actor's name is oh there you go okay yes Okay, so he says he heard maybe five, four or five guys, and then he's like, I don't know, maybe it was only three. So he, this is all going nowhere. Yeah, it's so, totally pointless. It's totally pointless. Other than it sets us up for the next moment, which is where Logan says, hey, if it's about rep- repressed memories, let's do hypnosis on her and see if that like uncovers the repressed memories. <sighs> Stone approves it, uh, but is like we can't rely solely on hypnosis as a testimony at, or as you know evidence because uh, you know, people will poke holes in it, blah blah blah. So we have no. to link it to something substantive. I, no, they hypno that's solid. That is like the <laughs> huh. most solid police
1: I when I thought when I heard that, I thought, uh, I'm so glad finally someone said it. This whole episode, I was like, why has no one gone to Madam <laughs> uh Madam Marvel's uh tent and and get a reading like what what
0: are they doing sylvia brown is waiting she's waiting just give her a call give patricia arquette a call and let's get this case done wrapped up i guess nobody's dead so uh patricia arquette wouldn't be much help your husband will never satisfy you <laughs> oh my god
1: <laughs>
0: so good okay hypnosis
1: thank you hypnosis <laughs>
0: So, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So we cut to the hypnotist. She's in an interrogation room. And this whole conversation is like she's a robot. Mm. Like, they're like, tell us about blah. And she's like, I was born on Tuesday. I have red hair. And, like, I don't think this is how hypnosis works. But that's how they pictured it and portrayed it. It's like, in my... Did you like my robot voice? I really,
1: really did. I can't wait for you to hear it back. <laughs> you turned her into like, do you remember the toy 2XL from when we were kids? <laughs> no. You turned her into a speaking spell, essentially. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great. Oh okay. So through this hypnosis, she gives them some info like she says, yes, there's a fourth boy, uh, or there's a fourth attacker. He doesn't have any light in his eyes. I know he's the most dangerous. He's not like the other three. And then he tells her, relax even further. And her then description of the attack sounds like lines from the Jabberwocky poem. And through this, <laughs> this is the best thing of all time, by the way, this next moment. Finally, he's like, do you know his name? And she goes, Tim. <laughs> and it was just this like huge build up moment that reminded me of uh Monty Python where they're like you know <laughs> the tim. night you say
1: ness that was literally Davy's reaction when that happened because like we had to we had to pause it cuz he was like that's it tim cuz they do the music and everything like do you remember his name relax even further and she's got this look on her face like a you know, catatonic because she's got that robot face yeah. on, but she also like widens her eyes a little bit. Like she's going to say something that's going to shock the, the nation. Like she's going to say, like, like she's Robinette. about to say, like, Beelzebub. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Robinette. Beelzebub, Robinette. You know, I, I, I too.
1: Like it was going to be a big, uh, like it was going to pack reveal. a punch. And she goes,
0: yeah, she does remember in this hypnosis moment that there was a broken bottle that they were threatening to slash her with. So they go in canvas for broken glass. They find a fragment, they get a fingerprint off of it. They run it against all the T's in the system. Anybody whose name starts with T and uh, you know, the, the guy's like, well, that'll take some time. And Grievy has a very stereotypical New York, New Jersey moment where he goes, Hey, do I look like I'm in a hurry? <laughs> But they do find Tim. They do. Of course. Because,
1: you know, a bottle that was used to attack her <sighs> outside in New York City, in an alleyway, yep. they find a piece of a bottle. Of glass. Multiple yep. days later, still intact. Matches somebody in the system. Matches somebody in the system. Clear fingerprint on the bottle. No one else has touched it. Yeah. Oh, and did you, did you mention what they found the bottle with? <laughs> did you forget? Salad tongs? <laughs> salad tongs from Logan's kitchen.
0: <laughs> That's right. I <laughs> he forgot. He said he
1: was going to wash them off and use them again. Boy, this episode. I'm going to pass on the salad okay. at Logan's house next uh, next uh, Sunday dinner. Yeah. N- next time he invites you over for a little
0: Thanksgiving, pass on the salad. Look, like I brought a kind bar. Thanks. So they decide that they're going to need more than Tim. <laughs> uh, so they go to break boy number one and get him to kind of uh, roll on Tim. They manage to convince him. To roll on Tim, and we get a, like, jazzy keyboard victory song while they, like, bust in <laughs> Tim's apartment. And Tim, by the way, looks like Charles Manson in a pair of Hanes tidy whities Oh, yes. And not in a good, not, <laughs> I didn't mean that, oh, yes, to sound like a good thing, if it did. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't actually remember seeing his face, I just remember seeing, like, hair flying around. Um, his face might as well be, like, one big furrowed brow. Okay, great. So then we cut to the interrogation room, and they're literally twiddling their thumbs, Mm -hmm. waiting for Robinette to come in. And he tells them, or asks them, hey, when did you read Tim his Miranda rights? And we discover there's like a little bit of a fuck up where they sort of like were taking him out. And maybe they got interrupted reading his rights, blah, blah, blah. And who points this out? But possibly the biggest guest star that I think could ever be on Law & Order. Oh, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson plays like this walk-on role as Tim's lawyer on Law & Order. Insane. Like Samuel
1: L. Jackson. What the hell? Unbelievable. I read that he wasn't that big at the
0: time, but he was still like big enough that it was a big deal for a tiny little part. It was so because you know what, I feel like on SVU, when I when I watched SVU back in the day, like they would have like Martin Short come on and play yes. like this character for like a multi-episode arc exactly. or something. Usually, and you would expect something. Yeah, usually they're like a big part of the episode. Yeah. Not this. Not- Samuel L. Jackson is literally like I'm going to tear this case apart and then just walks out the door. I think he's got like 3 lines. Or so. It's like really yeah. small. <laughs> It's very small. I think that boys number one, two, and three have more lines than Samuel L. Jackson For sure. in this episode. So they go and the the long and short of it is Greevy, they decide they need more evidence still. So Greevy and Logan go and uh, go and find boys two and three and essentially like trick them into confessing in front of a tape recorder. And they say that they held the woman down during the assault, but Tim was the assaulter. And they all congratulate themselves on a job well done. And we cut to Stone's opening statements in the courtroom where he's talking about the case. And that is the end of the episode.
1: Very strange episode. Very strange. The pacing was really, really off. Like you said, like, at one point, I thought the episode was over. And then I felt like this didn't seem like a real ending of the episode, even like it was just very strange.
0: Yes, I for sure. Well, there was that moment where I was like, well, that's got to be the end of the episode. And I feel like they wrote that as the end of the episode and then they were like oh fuck that's not long enough and then they just added a bunch more stuff
1: yeah maybe they were like uh you know we didn't like the the law part of this so we're gonna just cut it out start with the order and we'll figure out how to extend the episode at the end <laughs>
0: <laughs> work it in there eventually <laughs> yeah oh well, okay tell me tell me tell me tell me okay all right so the uh episode is inspired by You are correct. You are correct. Uh Oh, I feel so vindicated. Shocking, right? Shocking that are you? Are you going to be able to do this case in this episode? I know. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I did. I'm going to remove my guess, and I'm going to remove the part where I found out if my guess was true or not, because or correct or not. Because Matt just told me what the case was, and it's a big case, and I feel like I want. I want to give it. I feel like we should give it its its due. Uh, attention so we've decided that this week is going to be the recap of the law and order episode and next week we're going to dive into the case so stay tuned for next week's episode yes stay tuned to
1: hear me tell you about the true crime that inspired this yes and we will see you next week Yes, and in the meantime, find us on social media, engage with us, send us uh, any feedback you have. If you have any guesses for what the true crime is, if you're unsure, Ooh, um, yeah. please send it to us and we will read them on the air and uh, confirm if you got it right. So That's right. Let us know. Uh, you can reach us at Pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at ripped headlines, and you could find our Facebook page. Just search for "Rip from the Headlines," and uh, you yeah, know, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Yay! Yay! Okay. Until bye. next week.